Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. November 8th, that's not too bad. In my head, I thought it was closer to mid-November. I mean, we're only like a week off from that, but still, I was a little nervous when I started to come here and because we're already talking about Christmas cartoons mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. I mean, inevitably just with stores and everything, Christmas kind of gets shoved in your face pretty quick, so. Yeah, Shoppers Next Door <laughs> got the Christmas bomb. I think when I was leaving after Rocky Horror on Halloween night, so around midnight or so, they were in there putting up the decorations. So that's that. Bam. I like the states for their later Thanksgiving because their tradition is you have the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Santa's at the end of that parade. Then it's Thanksgiving and Santa's in town. Yeah. So you got like a month. I think that's very reasonable. Yeah, I went to uh, the shoppers. Well, I had to go to Farm Boy. There's the one on Metcalf, which is like bigger and kind of nicer. And then my friend was like, oh, I got to go to Farm Boy too. And I was like, oh, that's great. But he wanted to go to the Rito Center Farm Boy, which is not as good. And plus the Rito Center is, you know, my kryptonite or something. I just immediately am just like, Argh. We've all got PTSD from a bunch of truckers hanging out there for a long time. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and then there's the like getting older PTSD where I'm just sort of like, this is a young person mall or like a Richards. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, it is. You see your teenagers and you just run the other direction yeah it's just it's not for me you know so generally i don't like being there there's some stores that you know i wouldn't mind going to if i was there but i just i don't know something about being in there just kind of freaks me out a little bit but it's like fine i'll go and then it was like it's not as good not to be complaining but there's the shoppers as well and i was like okay well i did want to check for i was gonna say expired halloween candy i don't know if it's expired <laughs> but i was like oh, i gotta check on that so then i go in there and for both places i'm not used to those shoppers or farm boys so i'm just so confused and lost I conquered the farm boy and then I had to go to the shoppers. I'm like, I don't know where the damn candy is. You walk through and you're in the beauty thing immediately. I'm like, where am I? You've become like a 105 year old just stumbling through the pharmacy yelling for candy. Yeah, trying to buy Tootsie Rolls, which only old (laughs) people like apparently, you know. And so like I pretty much accidentally found the aisle and and the dregs of what was left. And it was the combo Christmas Halloween aisles, the seasonal aisle probably. I'm in there. I'm like, I just want that child's play bag, you know, with the Tootsie Rolls (laughs) and the junk jujubes, the dots. They're never good. So I find finally found it and then of course it was just all the carnaby i think it is maybe some people love carnaby maybe it's not even called carnaby i don't know but it's not good in general it's it's kind of the no name with a name needless to say they had hubba bubba i think but i'm like i'm not looking for that so i struck out on that did you celebrate the 5th of November? Because I know Emily's favorite movie is oh, V for Vendetta. Yeah, I forgot about that. I um, was thinking about that for some reason <laughs> that I think somebody made the quote, the 5th of November thing. And I remember it's her favorite movie because yeah. you did that birthday surprise for her a couple years back. Yeah, and that would have been Saturday, I think. And uh, it's a weird favorite movie. It's not like, hey, <laughs> let's all sit around at Thanksgiving and watch V for Vendetta. Yeah, there's some laughs, but not really a lot of laughs. Did she read the comic or come into it movie first? I think it was movie first. Interesting. Sure. Yeah, she wasn't really reading a lot of graphic novels. You know, the comic's she, great, too. Yeah, I believe it. I always thought about getting that for her, but then I think, or yeah, I mean, the library would obviously have it, too. But I'm just like, is she going to read it at this point? Or is it just, does that taint the memories of the movie? I met the artist, David Lloyd, at San Diego Comic-Con, and he was kind enough to do a very quick little sketch of the mask for <laughs> With me. you? you know, me holding it. <laughs> here's you hanging out with V. Yeah, and it's always cool sometimes like that. An artist, it took him a minute, but it's this neat little sketchy piece. So yeah, that's my V for Vendetta super duper collector's item that I have. My art is also sketchy, but for different yeah. <laughs> reasons. It's just badly done, you know, yeah. but also I can do it in a minute. It's just hot garbage. Yeah. So. <laughs> So we have an interesting turn of events to talk about that happened on the weekend. We sure do. 
So I was here on Sunday morning, just tidying up before our church came in for their weekly churchings. Yeah, your very uh, religious movie-based life. Yes, <laughs> and so religious movie-based that Lee asked me, what is the church that comes in here anyways? <laughs> he and, just cashes the check. He doesn't care what it is. And not trying to be funny or insulting either side of that coin. I was like, I don't know. It's uh, Jesus-y. They yeah. sing about Jesus. Yeah, they sing <laughs> and they talk about Jesus and they talk to Jesus possibly. There's no snake handling or anything dramatic like that well that's the point of that then but so i was sweeping around the cinema just tidying up a bit before they showed up and i get a call from lee and he's out walking his dog ahsoka <laughs> of course and he says goblin canceled and because lee's a jerk my first instinct was to laugh and go ah ha ha <laughs> because this has been such a complicated stressful endeavor to get them here with all these questions and rules and things so i thought he was joking and he goes no 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 they just canceled <laughs> so you got to realize this is 9 a.m on a sunday and they were expected to get there at 1 p.m to set up for a sold out show for a sold out show that doors were at seven or whatever so we didn't know what to do because we weren't organizing this. We were just the venue. Yeah. The poor woman who was the, I don't know her job title, the local production manager or whatever, she had no answers for us. And then it gets slightly dark, but hopefully everything's okay. But the press release from them was that someone was in hospital. Yeah. So that could be anything. Of course, COVID comes to mind. It could be somebody fell and broke their ankle. Who knows? Yeah. So then in the 11th hour, we were just like, okay, let's put on some movies. So we did that. And the day went on. A handful of people came to movies. And all we know is that they say they will reschedule to 2023. Yeah. But I know you're more of a fan of the band. So have you heard any gossip in the last couple of days? Well, not really, but it was funny to see the slow rollout of it. You mentioned it to me, but in a keep it under your hat type of thing, which was kind of fun for an hour or so yeah, before yeah. it was announced. I was like, <laughs> I know something and nobody knows. But it's funny because at first one thing, I don't know if I'd call all of them press releases, but posts from various places. One was because of a medical issue. Right. And I was like, okay, medical issue. And then another post said because of a medical concern. Oh. And I was like, is that an upgrade or a downgrade? I'm not even sure. And then the third one was hospitalization. Okay, none of those negate the others. But at the same time, it's weird. They were playing Quebec the next night, which I'm sure didn't happen. I didn't follow up on it. That did get canceled as well. Yeah, I figured. And so I found it, you know, it makes you wonder because you're like, they were post. I mean, well, not them, but the people putting it on were posting 18 hours before that, like a VIP thing, which you didn't yeah. really know about. Like apparently at 6 p.m. Which was hilarious. They were having 50 super fans show up for a meet and greet and exclusive merch and all that they were basically showing up at the same time as you would be showing up yeah because they were coming to set up and lee was going to hang out with them yeah i was basically doing a little split shift so i was here in the morning for the church and then planning to come back at six where their doors were at seven and the show at eight yeah and so me and two candy bar people were going to show up at six. So Lee would have been here. It would have been okay. But it was just so funny that no communication to that effect that, hey, can you guys be there an hour earlier? Yeah. And I didn't see anything about it prior. So I'm not sure if it was weird when they played here the last time. I know Mavericks did do, I don't know if they call it a VIP thing, but it was basically like pay an extra 20 bucks and you get to come in an hour early and there's dinner and you can pick your seat kind of thing, stuff like that. And so I kind of figured that was just Mavericks trying to offset the cost because I imagine it's quite expensive to get them 
them in here. And, you know, and that one was weird too, because I don't know if they were just a hired gun for that, if they rented that venue and it kind of like here, I'm not sure. So I wasn't that shocked to see, because it's obviously they're trying to get every little bit they can, which is fine. You know, like there was an exclusive shirt and a poster and all this stuff. The merch was cool. Personally, I probably wouldn't pay an extra $125 for it because it didn't include a ticket. So, you know, if oh, you weird. bought the VIP thing, you still had to buy a ticket. So you're looking at 200 bucks. If so you, you could theoretically go to the VIP thing, but not, not the, the show. show. That's yeah. really weird. Which is funny if someone was like, that's the plan. I'll just yeah. like sneak into the shadows when they don't notice. Yeah. Although I think you could pre-pick your seat as part of the VIP thing, which also is funny because there's been this whole general admission, not general admission thing. Yes. So, which I still don't know. <laughs> no. And like, well, if they said baked into the VIP thing that you could pick your seat, obviously it wasn't pick your seat ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Or else if you had already picked your seat, why would you need to pick your seat? And I'll stop saying the words pick your seat now. I've said it 15 times. But so anyway, the whole thing was a bit odd. And for me, I was going to come a bit early, but then I didn't know about the VIP thing. So I was just picturing me like coming in and there's 50 Goblin fans and Goblin <laughs> and Lee and all that. It, whereas Lee probably thought he was going to get an hour of time with them where he could be like, oh, I remember when you did Dawn of the Dead or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, so anyway, so yeah, it was kind of funny to see the slow rollout and the fans. And I mean, I haven't checked lately, but most people didn't seem too furious. You never know with these things. No, I have to say I was very thankful and impressed with the Goblin fans and the Mayfair fans. I was waiting for a day of 300 angry phone calls <laughs> demanding money back where we're just like, no, no, we're just the venue. We didn't organize this. They rented our space. Yeah. I don't know anything. We got three nice confused calls and everyone I noticed even on the horrors of Facebook was like, Oh, hope everyone's okay. You know, well, we'll see them when they come back. I didn't see anybody have a nervous breakdown. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. And then it was an interesting phenomenon because I just had to go into overdrive. Ian made a press release, a MailChimp email release for people. Lee reprogrammed the day just with movies we already had. Yeah. We just played it safe. We screened See How They Run, Amsterdam, and the David Bowie doc. I had to get a candy bar person to come in earlier and get that all figured out. But then it was just me like, oh, got to change the marquee. Got to change the posters outside. Got to take down the Goblin posters <laughs> that are now from an alternate universe where this happened. Collector's items, though. They are, yeah. It reminds me. You got to take one if yeah, you want. <laughs> I need that. And you autographed it as Goblin. You just yeah. put Goblin. Like, Mr. I, Goblin. I don't think that's how that works so for no advertising we got not a good day but we got i think it was 12 16 and 12 people but also somehow sold 15 memberships huh. for that little amount of people and had a couple people come in and buy popcorn and stuff so that chunk of money which usually would have been more because people would have known in advance to plan to come to see these movies yeah plus we had the church rental in that day and the deposit for the concert that never happened yeah i was gonna say technically the day was paid for even without the movie not a bad day yeah. yeah even if worst case scenario if we would have just been like well we're not doing anything today not too bad still we still don't know answers they say 2023 yeah but you were saying that happened to you once with some other band and it was like eight months later right for sure well and that was the thing my first thought was when something like this happens is what's up with refunds. And yeah. so they were pretty clear, no refunds, but right. like, you know, your tickets are still good for whenever we come back kind of thing. And then they straight up said 2023, you know, so it was like, just in case anybody thought <laughs> who hadn't looked at their schedule as is that they would somehow be in the next month. Yeah. Not going to happen. So yeah. So we were seeing this band jungle in Montreal and it was off and on COVID and stuff going on. And so, yeah, they, they don't even say canceled, rescheduled without a date pretty much. And so that was the thing. Like it was, you know, we did go, it was, uh, yeah, about a year later, maybe a little bit less than a year. And I was worried that, cause I mean, sometimes average bands, I mean, well, not average bands, but on average bands coming to Canada, it's about two years in between. 
right, most right. American, UK, whatever bands don't come here every year for various reasons. But I honestly thought, oh, great. I think it was 50 bucks for a ticket or whatever it was, you know, maybe a little less. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, so that's going to be, I probably would just take the money at that point. There's like four of us going, but that wasn't even an option. And so it kind of annoyed me at the time. Like I totally get it. But yeah, that's like, because you just don't know where you're going to be in life in a year. Yeah. And say they come back in six months. What if the only day they could come back, Mayfair already has a booking? Yeah. We had Weird Al tickets that got messed up because of COVID, and they were for the NAC, so a big, fancy, grown-up venue. Yeah. By the time Weird Al could roll back around, Hamilton was at the NAC for a week. (laughs) So he moved to Centerpoint, which is... I don't think I'm exaggerating, less than half the size. Wow. I think half the size. So that was the best they could do, I guess, right? So we saw Weird Al there with those NAC tickets. So that's all complicated. My friend works at the NAC. He said in chatting with the Hamilton people, when they found out they were bumping Weird Al, they were like, we shouldn't bump Weird Al. (laughs) And I thought it would have been so good. They should have had Weird Al come in, perform on the Hamilton set one night. Doing a spoof song, hopefully, about Hamilton. Well, he has he has a oh, medley. Good. He has a polka medley for <laughs> oh, Hamilton. That's great. That if you watch the clip, it's very endearing because it's Fallon listening to the clip for the first time with Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's clearly the highlight of Lin-Manuel Miranda's life. <laughs> so it's very nerd endearing. But and he's won an Oscar and a Tony and all he's that. He's won all know? those things. So that's an example of it was months later and a different venue. So if they say, we can come back this day, and we're like, oh, we have some mini film festival in that week, or we have a wedding book that afternoon, or whatever, there's always complications. Plus, you wouldn't be incredibly brokenhearted if it didn't happen. I mean, it's a great check for you guys, but also, it's not nothing. There was a lot of headaches. Yeah. Not that you were at least had anything, but just from my observation of following it online, just with the people putting it on, there was so much back and forth confusion, and, and also, you know, the animosity based on the Mavericks performance that didn't work out for some but for others such as that's where i thought people were gonna freak out yeah yeah (laughs) that's the thing so it's like people are sort of already knee-jerk angry at goblin or venues well and you think too i I forget if you met him but john who does our silent film stuff a lot he comes in and does the sound for it Mm -hmm. so he was working for goblin like paid by goblin as the local guy to do that so thank god we had him because he was on this email chain and answering all these questions because they'd ask some really complicated electrics question yeah i bet and the answer was always no we're a cinema <laughs> like <laughs> oh, geez. do you have a green room no we're a cinema they wanted shore power which i believe is to plug in their bus oh wow and we're like no we're a cinema then they want somewhere to park their bus and we're like no we don't have any of this but you booked this venue you had to do some mild bit of research <laughs> like what if they had booked house of targ so anyhow god but I'm sure this tour, one night it's a Mayfair, one night it's an NAC, one night it's a Bronson Center, like all different types of venues. We'd love to have them back. It's quite the thing. Yeah. But if they can't come back, it's like, well, we tried. Sorry. To me, it seems like one of the more complicated bookings, but that's just because most of the bookings aren't complicated at all. So. Well, and especially that it happened on the heels of two different bands coming in <laughs> yeah. that were no problems and smaller to be sure. The band in front of the silent film for House of Usher was three guys. Oh, wow. Drummer, keyboard, stand-up bass. Then for Nosferatu, it was five or six people. Yeah, it was hard to tell. So a bit more complicated, but it all worked out. 
And we were able to do other things during the day, whereas Goblin ate up the whole day because they wanted all this time to load in and practice and do whatever. Goblin up all your time. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll see. All we can do now is go, well, that was a weird anticlimactic adventure. Yeah. And Blake from Targ came across the street on Sunday night, and he he just wanted the hot goss. <laughs> and, and he thought, he was like, oh, no, did they cancel because they couldn't find a place to park the bus or they didn't like you didn't have a green room? And I was like, no, no, they just canceled because sadly somebody's in the hospital from what we understand. Yeah, and it really made me wonder if they made it to Canada at all. That even would have made sense because it just seemed to happen so fast. It seemed to happen overnight, eh? Yeah, basically. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe there was just less communication between the people putting on the show rather than the actual band i have no idea i do know that it's the same people that put it on that put on the mavericks show so i'm assuming they just put on all of their stuff yeah in perpetuity you know so it's kind of hard to tell like you know like maybe they pushed as far as they could and just were like no it's not gonna happen i haven't looked in the last couple of days but I'm curious if they will put out on their Facebook page or whatever, uh, we're canceling this many shows. Yeah. It's tough to say. They were doing a stretch of 18 or 19 days straight. Mm -hmm. And that's where we were in the midst of. Then there's a little break, but then they're going to like Tokyo. Yeah. So that's way more complicated. And you said Vancouver next month? There are two shows in Vancouver, and I believe their last two shows are in Winnipeg. Okay. So that's crazy, too, that they're doing <laughs> two nights in Vancouver, two nights in Winnipeg. So theoretically, they could come back to Montreal and Ottawa around Christmas time. Yeah. But maybe at that point, too, they could have other things to do. Their schedule might free up, or they want to go home for Christmas, yeah. you know? And they're not young. That's the other thing. You're yeah. touring, they're at least in their 70s. I mean, maybe not all of them, probably, but... Yeah, it could be one of those bands where two original members and four not original members. It might even just be one. Like, as I, I know, like, Claudio Simonetti is the main draw, obviously. There aren't more than two original members. And I looked it up. I believe I'm remembering this correctly, that he is 70 or 71 years old. Okay. So he would have indeed been around 25 when Suspiria came out. Mm -hmm. So he's a senior citizen working a month straight on a bus tour with no days off. Yeah, use his hands and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like that's it's not like, cool. yeah, you know, I always think about that with trades where you need your hands basically, let yeah. alone your back and whatever else. But, you know, I always think that where it's just like, oh my God, one wrong thing and you can't work for blank. You oh, know? yeah. That to me is terrifying, let alone playing these elaborate, like we said before, you know, they're playing for like two plus hours every night, you know, for every so night and sleeping insane. on the bus. There's no time to go to a hotel because they're traveling every single night. They're somewhere. Yeah. Which is crazy. That bus ride to Tokyo has got to be long. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those cool, like, James Bond, the wheels become floaty devices. Oh, yeah, that, that's sweet. Like, it's got a Knight Rider thing, but a boat, yeah. you know. How was the turnout for uh, Andalusian Dog? Good. So, for Nosferatu, it was, where was it? In the 200s. Mm -hmm. For House of Usher and Andalusian Dog was 100. Okay. Which is less, but they are way more bonkers movies. For sure. Not that anything silent film might be mainstream, but definitely less mainstream. So we were very excited to get 100 people to come see this kind of show. Yeah. And then this troupe, the VOC silent film harmonic, will be back in the spring, I think with Joan of Arc. But I'm oh, not interesting. positive. Something what, like that. We were just talking about? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, Made that guy cry? Yeah. <laughs> so that guy's got to be there for that, that one. That guy has to come. Really? I was so bummed to not come out on Saturday for Usher. Well, not Usher, you know. I should say. House the, of Usher. If I don't say the full thing, people are going to think Usher played here. Which yeah. been, It's like, this was more problematic than the Goblin <laughs> show. Yeah, but like we ended up going to see Friends somewhere. I don't know, two hours away. They had, we, you know, we have a king-size bed at home. Like, not bragging or anything, but just, I don't know. Like, I tend to 
I'm big and sprawl, you know, and yeah. so like kind of what we need. So their guest bed was a double, and you know, and again, I'm not one to complain, but it's you notice when you're in a double after being it. Like even yeah. a queen would have felt kind of okay. So it was a bit tight, and it was a really firm mattress. There was no uh, curtain on the window above the bed. And they'd been like, oh, yeah, you know, you're lucky the sun comes up in your room. And I was just like, I, are we lucky or, you know? And so anyways, it wasn't the worst, but it was just one of those things where, and it's someone else's bed too, you know, so you don't sleep as soundly regardless. So the next morning we were just kind of like, oh, like just, I don't know, hadn't slept super great. We're kind of like wonky. And, and then we were supposed to see my parents and help them with some like chores, which we did, but it was a bit of a slower affair than normal. So it was just one, such a long day. And by the time we got home, I was like, oh my God, I just want to relax and not go back out again and then plus i thought i was going to goblin the next night too right it was literally three days straight of just bonkers plans so i was like okay i can't do it i, I hope there's a good turnout and it's not ruined by me not being there the band was furious yeah i thought so they could tell you know so that would have been awesome but i was like i gotta save up my energy for goblin and i'm not gonna lie to you when you told me it was canceled i wasn't heartbroken (laughs) i honestly i would have had to leave home at 6 p.m because i wanted to get here well before doors and all that you know and just come in i'm like yes i'm here to work and help not sneak into your show which i totally wouldn't do you're less heartbroken because off the record you didn't buy a ticket yeah and and, and honestly had they been like you gotta go i would have been like Absolutely. I'm not here to be a jerk. Even if I was like just standing. The thing is, I saw them two years ago or whatever it was, three years. So, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I wanted to come and see them. And I'm security. I call it what you want. You're just just standing near the popcorn machine, not helping. Yeah, it's not like I wouldn't have taken a seat from somebody who bought a ticket or somebody else. But it's like, you know, inevitably there's going to be a seat or whatever. And or I just go home and it was a funny story. Whatever. You could have just stood up in the projection booth and had like the voyeur shot from the window. Or I have a clipboard so it looks like I'm doing stuff. I'm like, I'm just I keep Uh, like uh, nodding my head and hemming and hawing, you know. So I was not sad because honestly, that would have that was a Sunday night, too. So it's like I'm leaving at 6 p.m., not seeing Emily for the rest of the night, which is probably a blessing for her in a way. But (laughs) still. So honestly, I was low key kind of happy (laughs) in a way. But yeah, that's just a selfish way of looking at it. It it is too bad for everyone else, but it might give people a chance to see it who didn't get a ticket in time. Yeah, Yeah, you never know. So let us chat about the movie screening the week of Friday, November 11th here at the Mayfair. We have an Ottawa premiere documentary, The Return of Tanya Tucker. Oh, I've been hearing about this. It's got a clunky title because its actual official IMDb title is The Return of Tanya Tucker featuring Brandy Carlisle. Oh, wait, and I guess the cause, singer? Because Brandy Carlisle is the one who instigated the return of Tanya Tucker. Okay. So she is a character within the documentary. I have a feeling that's like a fat cat decision from the documentary producers being like, Brandy's popular with the kids. We got to put her name in the title. That's so weird. I, yeah, didn't, I didn't even know it was title. a documentary. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, a, it's just a nice feel-good documentary about Tanya Tucker, who I guess more or less left the industry about 15 years ago, likely because the music industry, like the film industry, is hard and horrible and filled with bad people. Yeah. Brandy Carlisle is a fan and realized this and said, we got to get her back. And so this is the documentary about her making her comeback album and concert performance. Wow. Yeah, it's been getting a lot of good buzz. Then we have our other Ottawa premiere is a horror film called Masking Threshold. All right. You had me at horror and also that title. The funny thing is the blurb does not sound like a horror film. Conducting a series of experiments. Oh, maybe that's horrific. Okay, but... In his makeshift lab, a skeptic IT worker tries to cure his harrowing hearing impairment. Well, that's nice trying to cure an impairment. And you nailed that too. That was a tricky sentence there. Yeah. You pulled that one off. But then it won best 
Feature Film, Sound Design, and the Rising Star Award at the British Horror Film Festival. Well, you would hope that it wins the Sound Design one, if it's based yeah. on a hearing thing. And Did you ever see that Masters of Horror episode with yes. the hearing thing? Like That's what it makes me think of instantly, which I was great. I think it might be something like that. Film Threat gave it a 9 out of 10 and said it's a brilliant look at obsession. So I think it's somebody, it's a mad scientist thing, I think. Yeah. Somebody trying to do something to cure a deaf person and then some crazy spiral into creepy horror or himself didn't it say it was oh, his? probably himself you're right so yeah. he's like experimenting on himself and then he gets maybe he's like super hearing and he hears too much yep turns and into the, a frankenstein the government's like you've heard too much <laughs> then we have the much in the news for all the wrong reasons <laughs> don't worry darling okay i thought you were gonna say terrifier too like for no. some because that would have been that's but the wait. good reasons though i guess spoiler alert that's coming oh boy all right <laughs> I, i'm getting ahead of myself don't worry darling is Directed by Olivia Wilde. Okay. I absolutely loved Booksmart, her yeah. feature directorial debut. And what I like about this is it's a different, a very different film. Mm-hmm. Booksmart was this fun, endearing two girls graduating high school comedy. Yeah. Having a crazy night of misadventure. This is like a, I'm trying not to find out too much, to be honest. Like it, but It's kind of like a mystery horror at times. Stepford Wives-y. Yeah, because I almost got a, I haven't looked too much into it either, but yeah, I almost get a, or like a Rosemary's Baby, but not quite like that, but. Yeah, it's some kind of the horrors of 1950s. Yeah utopian suburbia yeah definitely step for wives is a good reference point i think i haven't watched the trailer or anything but i've heard good and bad things but the bad things is more about the production <laughs> but, but then the production was all over the news yeah. rightfully or wrongfully because a relationship between the director and an actor the lead actress and the director seemingly not getting along yeah you don't mess with midsummer which is what yeah. we call florence Pugh. <laughs> and then the infamous one actor spitting on another actor at a film festival or not or we not don't even know it's like, yeah. and i don't know i didn't look at the footage obsessively like a JFK truther. But I looked at it once and I was like, that dude just spit on Captain Kirk. Like, Like, it certainly (laughs) looked that way, but I was like, why am I paying this much attention to this? All I know is he kind of walked by, Captain Kirk shot him a look. It was weird. It was just, but I'm also like, why would he? Like, it's (laughs) so insane. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm now, I guess I am obsessive about it. But then I saw the trailer here when I came to see Amsterdam. And the trailer's really good. So I think it might grow past the controversy or the obsession that people had with it for tabloid reasons. Yeah, and I think it's basically like set in like one of those fake towns that a rich company makes for its workers to live in, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, wait, is there more going on than I think? That's what I think it's about. I'm not sure if that's right. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It looks really good. And I think it might actually have some Oscar buzz and that sort of stuff. Interesting. so. So then we have the aforementioned Terrifier 2. Hey, which is in the news for all the right reasons. Terrifier 2 cost $15 to make <laughs> and has made, what, six or seven million now? Even more. So 250K and it's made 10 million. Wow. Yeah, which uh, does not sound like a lot to the average person, but this is playing in not a lot of theaters. But that's crazy when you think of movies with that budget that were indie movies a decade ago, two decades ago, would make a million dollars and they'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. Blair Witch was like 30000 and that's That and Halloween are kind of the, the big examples of... Yeah, wasn't Halloween $250,000 in the 70s? Yeah, or less, but like definitely not more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this has been getting a lot of buzz. The main character, Art the Clown, has been around for a little bit. He's been in a couple of horror anthologies, like All Hallows Eve 1 and 2, and there was a short called Terrifier as well. You know, So he's been in, like, I think, like four shorts or short films. That is kind of neat that it graduated from from short film anthology 
feature. Yeah, exactly. And so the guy that played Art the Clown in the shorts was different than the guy who's played him in the two movies. Oh. But it's it's a clown in full makeup. Not to take anything away from either actor, but it's a little easier than, you know, wasn't Robert Englund, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But the first one I wasn't huge on. I do like the character of Art the Clown, but the first one is just sort of a standard stock and slash. It was okay, but nothing special, you know, no offense. But the second one, well, it's like almost two and a half hours, first of all, which is just insane. Which is bonkers. Yeah. And so it is gory as hell like it has been released uncut unrated and that's one of the reasons it's not playing in more theaters almost because they're kind of doing it their own way right and this was literally they were going to play it for one weekend and that's it and it has been going by on word of mouth this is one of those movies that the average person has heard of because some people have thrown up in the theaters and panic attacks and all that so it's to the point where like it's on nbc you know abc all this like the normies are hearing about this two and a half hour gut fest so. yeah <laughs> is it just like a freddy krueger kind of thing kind of he doesn't talk which oh, okay. isn't a spoiler but just yeah. literally that's the character he's a mime clown that's basically which is just a mime i guess he doesn't talk but he does a lot of like reactions and stuff and he'll like punch someone's face in and then be like laughing without making sound and you know freaking out other people and stuff like that so that's one of the things i like the most about the second one is like he'll just do horrible things and then his reactions are just like ah gotcha you know and you're just like oh my god this is actually horrific i wonder how the spiral out of this will be like i wonder if they've already secured terrifier three. Oh yeah yeah it's they already, must have any happening. any studio looking at that being like okay well we'll give you a million dollars we'll quadruple your budget and you can now pay people a bit more and do the exact same kind of thing yeah it is interesting that it's so long because once upon a time you look at all the what we consider classics like texas chainsaw or evil dead or halloween and they're all i think they're all under 90 minutes yeah and the mindset there was we want to get as many showings in a day as possible. Or if it's a midnight movie, we don't want to be there till 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. And there's just a logic where if you've got an 80-page script, if you're doing 80 pages of stuff, that's less money. That's less days to shoot. That's less actors, theoretically. That's less mouths to feed every day on your production. So to do a big one like that, it's very interesting uh, there, that they're just like, yep, we're just going to do that. Yeah, and there's a rumor that they want to split terrifier three into two parts oh my god and i'm not sure if that's just a bit or whatever but i'm just sort of like okay well yes all right look (laughs) the two hour 17 minute runtime is all right i get it you know we're trying some fun things but i'm like we don't need three hours now that's funny this is a good segue because we were just joking about this of saying i think terrifier three should be like lawrence of arabia (laughs) that's true a four-hour movie with an intermission but if they split it up kill bill style or harry potter style akin to terrifier 2 we are also screening lawrence of arabia this Very week similar similar <laughs> yeah. films lawrence of arabia is the second of our oscar classics counting down to our birthday on december 5th as we speak we're screening the godfather the best picture of 1972 huge lawrence of arabia is the best picture of 1962 it's the first time we've screened it in a decade which yeah. is crazy it's a weird movie movie to screen because it is four hours long so it's the first movie in a long time that we are screening that has a built-in intermission and it means we don't have a late show that night so when you're coming to a movie like lawrence of arabia it's almost like you're just coming to a double bill because we're screening it between 6 30 and 10 30 
because especially on a weeknight, we can't just screen Tanya Tucker at 11 o'clock after Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, and I'm not sure how Godfather beat Last House on the Left for Best Picture that year, but <laughs> yeah. but no, it's always fascinating to see these, I guess old-timey is kind of all you can call it now with the intermission and, and stuff. Like, it's just such a cool, you know, a lot of people had wished that they had done that with some modern movie. Like, even Return of the King was lengthy. Although, yeah. I don't think I had to go to the bathroom during that movie. It was close. Very close. We're getting more acclimated to the three-hour movie. Yeah. Because whether it be avengers or the batman or a harry potter movie or a highbrow movie like drive my car there seemingly is more three-hour movies Mm -hmm. than ever before where it used to be a comedy or kids movie was 90 minutes a drama was two hours and an epic was three hours now it just seems like everything is three hours yeah when you get to the point where you're emboldened enough to make terrifier three two parts like yeah 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 everything is on the table at that point but Lawrence Arabia is not a hard sell. Besides for all its awards, it's a breakthrough performance from a young Peter O'Toole, his first movie. It's on every top five list. Is it really his first movie? It's his first movie. It's, That's insane. It's introducing Peter O'Toole. Oh my God. Like I, I can't imagine like juggling a movie of that scope as your first movie. Oh yeah. And especially when Alec Guinness is in the movie and stuff <laughs> like that. I don't know the story. I'm sure it's a good story. I don't know where they found him. I believe at the time he was probably working on the British stage because I know that's where he comes from. Yeah. So maybe David Lean or the casting director was like, maybe that was almost the gimmick. Like, we want to find an unknown. But on the poster, we have we have a vintage poster hanging in the cinema. And yeah, it has an introducing Peter O'Toole. Wow, that's insane. I would never have guessed that in a million years. (laughs) I've actually never seen the whole movie, partly just because of how long it is. But I know it's been on in my home when I lived there as a kid. Yeah, it's interesting with the intermission as well. Can't think of the last time we screened a movie. Oh, Sound of Music. Okay. Sound of Music. Some other places, I believe... Australia. There's other countries where the intermission is just a thing. And even if you're watching a 90-minute or two-hour movie, they just stick an intermission in there. Huh. Because a friend of mine was over there and was just watching an average movie, and all of a sudden, intermission, and people get up to go to the bathroom or get another chocolate bar or whatever. (laughs) And he was so confused. And they were like, yeah, this is just how we watch movies here. Well, I hope they do it in a normal spot. No, they just cut. (laughs) Like, it's not like, they're like, the killer is, and then they're like, cut it through. Actually, maybe that's a good time to do it. I don't know. Just write it in half. Whatever. If it's a two-hour movie... Even if it's mid-sentence, you just cut it at 60 minutes. Man, I'd like to be the editor who figures out where to put the intermission and yeah. stuff. That would be really fun. But, you know, every other week I'm doing uh, intermissions <laughs> for the yeah. bad movie nights, so I guess I'm kind of used to it. And then finally this week, our 130th screening of The Room. Oh, boy. It's actually more than that. I got to go back. If you're a comic fan, you know comic books have weird numbering systems. For example, six months ago, Amazing Spider-Man just went back to number one again. Oh, Because it's it's the start of a new arc. Now they at least do this thing that I like where it's number one and they say Legacy, LGY, 895. Ah, okay. That's cool. I think it's kind of cool. So you're seeing this is number one of this arc. This could last 20 issues. Anyhow, I think about doing it with The Room because this is our 130th month, which the consecutive part of it got screwed up because of COVID. Yeah. But there was two or three times where we screened it multiple times in a month because Tommy was in town or Greg was in town. Yeah. So I want to go back and maybe count those up. And now we'll just start saying like, it's the 145th screening because when Disaster Artist came out, we screened it maybe four or five times. Yeah. And when Tommy visited, we screened it a couple times. 
So we might be maybe like 135, 136 or something like that. Legacy 140 or whatever. I don't know. You'll have to figure the numbers on that one. But it is nice to kind of be back into that nice and horrible routine of having the room and cleaning up afterwards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. At least if you're going to keep coming out, then it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's not going to get to a point, you know, where there's 10 people and you're still going to all the effort. It really is supply and demand. We had somebody who very much enjoyed a French film that we screened recently and they said, screen more French movies. And then I'm always kind of trying not to be a jerk, but then I say, here's six French movies we screened in the past three months. And it's clear that they didn't come to see those because then they just kind of frowny face or whatever. We just watched a French movie not that long ago. Yeah. Saloum? Saloum, that's it. I I was was really good. Haloum, but that's the cheese. So it's supply and demand. If a couple months in a row, five people came to the room, we would stop screening the room. Yeah. But it keeps getting 100 people coming to it. So we're like, I guess we got to keep screening it. It's that sort of Damocles that you hold over the audience. (laughs) We're like, you better keep paying or else we're going to kill this movie. And then Greg's going to come sooner or later. Again, it's just scheduling. But his new film will be on our screen. And then we'll have another excuse to screen it a couple times there. I'm excited to check that out, you know, when eventually that happens. Someday. Not The Room, even with... I mean, Greg doesn't even watch The Room when he's here. So it's like, yeah. Can you imagine? He has been in the presence of The Room... Probably more than anybody else, because I think he's more in the groove of touring with Best Friends, Best Fiends with his new film. I think he's done more appearances than Tommy. Yeah, I would say. But he also doesn't sit there and watch it. He goes for dinner, hangs out or whatever. He's usually, when we have the room, he's in this room, literally. Doing a podcast. On his his phone or, you know, whatever it is. And I always just feel like, well, I don't feel bad for him. Because obviously he likes doing it and, you know, he loves his fans. But at the same time, I'm just like, holy hell, you must be so tired of specific lines from that movie. I think about that with bands, right? Yeah. Like, I watched a clip of Foo Fighters playing with this awesome some kid drummer oh yeah in in tribute because their drummer has passed away and i just think dave grohl and the band's been pretty much the same since the late 90s yeah they have sang everlong a lot Mm -hmm. and it must just be in their brain or they must like it because they know there's some performers like david bowie got in trouble a couple times because he'd come out on tour and just sing the new stuff (laughs) and people would be like no sing the old stuff and he'd like no i'm david bowie i don't want to sing the old stuff I think about that with people going to conventions, people going to film festivals, bands where there's repetition in all of life, but they are seeing that a lot. Yeah. And it's funny to remember that the first Foo Fighters album was just Dave Grohl. Yeah. Like he played everything. He wrote everything. That was it. It wasn't even until the follow-up album with Monkey Wrench and Everlong and all that, that it was actually a band. So funny to think about that. So talented. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap things up for the week. That was our movie's for the week of November 11th. Stay tuned. Check out MayfairTheater.ca, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, I noticed, we've lost 300 followers. Yeah. And I don't think that's people leaving us. That's just people jumping the ship of Twitter. So that's just That's what we're telling ourselves anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. But if I have one less thing to do, if Twitter closes down tomorrow... I won't be too sad. No, no. It's, yeah, it'll just be like when you called about the Goblin Show. I'll be like, ah, oh, I got a day ahead of myself now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again here soon at the Mayfair Theater for a bunch of holiday movies. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, they just announced a new Cage movie. Oh. Written and directed by our boy Oz Perkins, who did Black Coat's Daughter in Ottawa, but most importantly, called Long Legs. So I identify with this movie. Starring you. And Cage. Lawrence and Arabia. Together, they made history. Come on, man! Lawrence of Arabia, the motion picture that made great international stars of Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif. 
Lawrence of Arabia, winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture and 27 other International Film Awards. Starring Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, Jack Hawkins, Jose Ferrer, Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy, and as Ali, Omar Sharif, as Lawrence, Peter O'Toole. Lawrence of Arabia, unanimously acclaimed as one of the all-time great films. Lawrence of Arabia.